0: Welcome back to People Analytics Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Patton. Today I have with me Ivan Demosten, who is CEO at Hamilton Demo. Ivan, welcome.
1: Thank you, Lindsay. You said that perfectly. Oh, that is good.
0: That is good to know. It's important that I pronounce everyone's names correctly on the show. So, Tell me a little about who you are, what you do, and why you do it.
1: Yeah, so uh, Ivan Demos based here in Cincinnati, Ohio, with my wife and three beautiful children. Um, got into the human capital space uh, around 2004, 2005. And really, my background in sales helped me connect with uh, with uh, those decision makers that I was seeking out. I, I started with career Builder. and it was an interesting time, if you recall, or those in your audience that may remember, we were just coming off Y2K. Uh, applicant tracking systems and uh, career sites were big. Uh, and actually, I, I like to share a funny story that the way that I got a lot of my appointments were was that uh, the decision makers were just starting off on Outlook and they were learning email. And uh, I was very comfortable and familiar with uh, Outlook. So I would, I would barter with them and say, Hey, let me come in and teach you how to use and leverage and maximize uh, your email through Outlook and give me some of your time to share with you what, what all Career Builder can do. And it was a match made in heaven and the, the rest is history. Here I am. Uh, so fast forward uh, four or five years ago, started um, Hamilton Demo. Where I went off on my own after spending time at CareerBuilder, Monster, Professional Diversity Network, uh, really having a passion for diversity because uh, my background is uh, reflects diversity. Uh, my parents are immigrants; came here from Haiti. Uh, you know, grew up in a small town. Went to the University of uh, Cincinnati, uh, where it's a remarkable, fantastic place. If anyone's ever been there, they know what I'm talking about uh go UC Bearcats. And uh uh yeah, just uh enjoying the the ride so far. Lots of great things have happened even in spite of the pandemic, which I I I don't think anyone in their right mind would ever start a business before the pandemic, but uh I think you know this these are the things that make you Strong. Only the strong survive, and you know the uh, things as well as they as well as they have gone has been a little bit different than I wrote up in my business plan. Uh, so, uh, as things start to open up and the world starts to open back up again, I'm literally on back to back to back phone calls. So, opportunities are are great. The opportunities are are vast, and I appreciate the fact that the conversations that I've had the past two years that we had to hold off on having, or people were uncertain of what the future held, now those conversations can start up again. And uh, uh, I feel that the, my clients uh, appreciate that I've stayed in touch; that I didn't just call and leave them hanging. I kept on checking back with them. I kept on making sure I was keeping them up to date on any and all things that were changing, uh, in the, in the, uh, um, in the market. So, uh, the future looks bright, my friend. So that's, that's me.
0: And I can honestly support that, that methodology of relationship building, you know, just because someone isn't ready at the time, doesn't mean they'll eventually be ready. And that's what I found, you know, with my own business, um, you know, which Staff Geek has, has hired to, to help host the podcast. Um, you know, there's value in keeping up with those relationships. Um, so how do you check in with people or, you know, keep in front of them um, once you learn that they're not quite ready? Yet?
1: Yeah. So, uh, Lindsay, I love what you say because no – very seldom means no. What it most often means is not right now, and <laughs> right. So even if they don't say check back or circle back with me, uh, really that's what you need to do. You because if you don't stay front and center, if you don't stay front of mind, top of mind, uh, that will never happen. And quite frankly, some of my best professional relationships and clients and accounts have been that situation where it started off where there wasn't a lot to to discuss, or, you know, any, any opportunities for discovery, but uh, being pleasantly persistent, and making sure you were accessible when the time was right, uh, was very valuable to me. So quite frankly, I'm, I'm pretty old school. So uh, I don't know if that's good or bad but I will, I will drop a phone call. I I'm that guy. Let me, uh, let me give you a call. Let me leave a message. I love my, my, my voicemails are very automated and this goes way back to when the phone was the only game in town. Uh, so I know I, I leave pretty much the same message, uh, personalize it, you know, uh, and, uh, let them know that, give me a call, would love to chat with them. And quite frankly, it, it's tried and true and it is, it still works. So if there's something better, I would love for you or anyone listening to share it with me. But that's really what I do. And uh, it, it it is actually a really good gauge because what happens is when someone sees my name pop up, they answer right away and they, and they tell me, "Oh my gosh, I was just thinking about you." Oh, hey, your time is perfect. And if they don't answer right away, the next the next thing is that they call me back within a pretty quick uh, duration of time. the The turnaround is very quick. And if they don't answer at all and they don't, you know, respond to my voice message, I may follow up with another one. But that's a note to me that hey, I need to schedule another call um, follow up with an email, uh, maybe look them up on LinkedIn and, uh, you know, just go through those steps and then just, um, rinse and repeat.
0: (laughs) So I want to switch gears and talk about big business versus small business, because you made the leap from large corporations being a leader within those to forming your own business, which when you're on your own, you're, you're, Starting small—that's just the default if <laughs> you're just starting. So, what was that leap like?
1: Oh wow! So, um, so in a lot of ways, it was a leap. So, when you're with a larger company, you've got these guardrails, and for better or worse, they're there to protect you. They're there to maintain the culture. And all the other great things that the, the companies have that they want to, you know, keep important and uh, have resonate, not just to you, but those that you lead into to the uh, uh, clients, your customers. So that um, I always appreciate that. And I, for one, have always enjoyed the different cultures from different organizations. I've I've been um, I've been happy that I have the good fortune to sample cultures from all these different great companies from around the world that I read about at school. And and the, the things I see and hear on television that I read about in the Wall Street Journal. And then, hey, I get to walk into Johnson & Johnson and be in a boardroom. And you know, feel and touch and experience their culture. I had the opportunity to be Macy's, Kroger, had the opportunities to work with Amgen, and the list goes on and on and on. So that's been wonderful, and um, I always enjoyed that. So the transition to uh, having my own business was uh, was definitely different because I, I'm literally a captain of uh one one person on a ship a big giant ship right yeah, i'm trying to make that ship bigger so one thing i've realized when i've started uh bringing people on board and and uh you know partnering with other with other companies is i have to project a culture to them as well whether it's just me or if it's me and my three employees slash slash uh, contractors. Whether I'm with a strategic partner, all of those scenarios, it's important to project that image that the what the culture and the expectations with, uh, that they can that they can look forward to. Um, because I think whether you're a small company, uh, uh, a team of one. Or a company of a hundred thousand plus, that that's a congruency that you need to look for, right? If that, that culture or what's projected doesn't necessarily sink, there's going to be some disconnect along the way, even if you like each other a lot. Um, you know, it goes from the little things to maybe you know showing up to appointments fifteen minutes late to the expectation that people, you you have a deadline or, or a time for me, but you get it there 24 hours early. Those little nuances, those, those uh, the sinking of the cultures, I believe are very
0: important. Yeah. So when you were establishing Hamilton demo, what, you know, did you pull from for your experience to kind of curate uh, your own culture? What values were important as you were building that culture?
1: Oh, that is a great question. So what, uh, what I tried to project to the marketplace, and when we first started, we, we had a very large client that we were working with that uh, took up a lot of time, actually two really big ones. And so I wanted to project to them that we could react and pivot very quickly. So what did that mean? That meant that no matter what time of day they called, I would answer the phone, or I'd call back very quickly, right? Um, sometimes, sometimes I'd be in the line at at the store. Well, I wouldn't tell them to hold on or ask him if I could call back. I, I would quickly walk somewhere where it was quiet and give them all the attention that they needed. Uh, so that was very important. As I started bringing people um, on board to help me uh, with um, with the needs of our clients. I really tried to make sure that they felt that they could share with me what they thought was important at the time. Now, uh, Lindsay, I'll I'll tell you, I think I do a really good job at that. I I am open to people speaking to me directly and being unfiltered, but I will admit to you that I do... I know I seem perfect, but I do have uh, a couple of flaws. You and do? One of them is,
0: well, oh my god! Is that?
1: Yeah, I know. Isn't that a
0: surprise? Man. How dare you? It
1: Surprises me too. So <laughs> I know, but you know what? It is. There's always room for improvement. And uh, one thing I do realize about myself is, you know, I I've been successful, and I I am uh, a a creature of habit to what's made me successful. Hence why I, I appreciate people telling me how it is or what they think. Uh, but I will say that part of that, although I do hear and I do listen, I tend to just keep moving forward. Right. (laughs) Like, Oh, that's good. But you know, and, uh, so I know that, and I know that, um, that it may seem to to those that I work with that I I didn't necessarily acknowledge, which I have. Uh, sometimes these situations uh, cause me to move quickly, uh, but I should probably temper my enthusiasm a little bit. I think the people that I have around me have gotten used to that. I'm sure I've frustrated them in the past, uh, but after a couple of years, um, Uh, I think they're starting to get it. And like I said, I I've recognized that about myself and I'm trying to get better. And I hope that they see that too. But um, one thing I always, if someone's going to say something, I want to hear it. I I don't want to shut them up, shut them out. Because truly when you, when uh, there's not voices, sometimes uh, people are telling you you're, you're, you're running off the road. And if you, if you try to shut them down, you'll never know that. Hey, maybe I'm going too fast, and I'm getting ready to run off the road. So, um, I try to create a call.
0: And there's power in having self awareness that even though this this isn't going to get solved immediately, recognizing and saying, "Hey, I'm taking these steps to you know improve your experience," or really focus on the feedback you're giving me that that makes people feel seen and i think there's there's incredible value to that
1: yes yeah and i like i said i want to get better at that and i think that's something that is a work in progress that you never really get to where you want you, you you're always trying to get better because everyone's everyone has a different personality and receives things a little bit differently so as your company grows right you go from 2 to 4 to six to 10 you're always going to have to keep that work in progress to improve little by little Mm -hmm. so i agree with you
0: and your team's very small right now correct
1: yes we're we are a small but mighty Mm -hmm.
0: team Mm -hmm. so how many people make up hamilton demo
1: so right now the core is three of us uh we've got a couple of uh We've got a couple of uh, contractors that we use from time to time strategically and uh, uh, there are some strategic partners that we also partner up with depending on the situation and what uh, what is called for from the client. So I'd say our core core is three and all together um, I rely on a, a five to six people uh, for for like the base, the foundation of what we do.
0: Yeah. Was there a learning curve or any challenges going from a large uh, corporation environment to managing a more intimate team? Uh,
1: so, well, pretty much what we've already talked about now, you know, rather than being beholden to a process, to, to uh, a culture uh, and, and and remaining within the rails there. uh, I'm responsible for everybody, right? So although it's just a few people, uh, these are things that you need to learn how to motivate, how to uh, get get a team excited, um, especially in an entrepreneurial environment. So I think that's kind of like the big thing because the individuals that I'm speaking of for the most part are coming from, uh, more of a structured, uh, environment, although they do have a lot of entrepreneurial experience. Uh, but it's, it is definitely a different animal.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. So, so one thing I could, I could share with you is, you know, I think in a large company when you go after a big deal and it doesn't come to fruition, there's not as much as, uh, uh, as a letdown, from that. Mm-hmm. when you're with a, small company, a startup, uh, especially in the pandemic, like when that doesn't come to fruition, how do you stay excited and bounce back very quickly? So those are the things. So as we're gaining these opportunities, we're getting excited, and the reality is you're not going to win them all.
0: Yeah, yeah, and when it's small, do you feel those those opportunity losses. Oh, ouch, they hurt. <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, you know, and you know, what's uh, what's even greater than that is there's only so much that you can allocate to whatever you're going after. So then you think about, hey, what could I have done if I hadn't allocated so much time to this? What could have happened or what could we have generated? What could we have produced? What could we have uncovered? But that's the nature of the beast. Right. And um, I'm. Excited, like I shared, I'm excited about the future because the opportunities are.
0: Mm, can you expand on that?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, a lot of those conversations that they said no, we're mm-hmm. not right now, yeah, back later. Now they're now we're actually putting proposals together. We're reviewing them. We're talking about. Yeah, we are having meetings at the. At the highest levels, actually, I've got a couple of meetings that I'm waiting to book um, here uh, outside of Ohio uh, in the next few weeks. So, if and when we get back together and have another interview, I I, I can share those wins Ooh. with you. So, hopefully, by <laughs> yeah, I I can share names and and whatnot. But you know, rather than putting all of our eggs in one basket. Uh, we are we've got four or five baskets that we're managing and we're going after and truly if it all happened at once it may be kind of hard so that's maybe a little bit of the benefit that we've had because these have all been works in progress that have all come and started culminating all at the same time which is different than diving into each basket all at once um, so we've been building the these proposals, building these opportunities little by little. And uh, now now, uh, it's getting close. So we're going to have some resolution one way or the other.
0: Nice. And one thing that I really, really find an advantage with small teams is the ability to understand how your team works best because everyone's brain is different. Everyone works differently. And by getting to know how each other's brains work, you can set them up for success in that way. And, uh, yeah. Can you talk on that?
1: Yeah, 100%. Um, in a bigger company, I think it's easier for someone to hide. And when I say hide, not, I don't necessarily mean that in a negative way, but you can clock in and clock out and, you know, have your cup of coffee, say bye to everybody. You can act day in, day out. And, really feel feel unfulfilled perhaps but you still you still put in your two three years in and then you find something else and you move on right the smaller group there's a much shorter window i mean it's uh you can't just hide when there's only three or four of you right you pretty you pretty much i i've learned that that when i invite someone to come in and set the right expectations I usually tell them, uh, hey, you're you know, you're gonna struggle if you haven't been in an entrepreneurial environment, if you haven't had to manage your own time, you know, keep that in mind. I can help coach you through that. But truly, in three months, you'll know if you want to keep going or not. Uh, and th- usually when I say three months, they make it to three months, then they're going to be here a lot longer. Usually we'll know by like a month and a half, two months. Uh, That's, that's usually when the signals and the signs start popping up. Right. And it, it happens. Yeah. And if it doesn't happen before that, but when it happens, it happens very quickly and is very obvious.
0: Yeah. And I love that you say setting the tone too, because you have to do that, you know, on day one. Um, and people, they, they work well with, you know, having that tone set for them. So they, they look to leaders to follow. How do you set that tone when someone comes in?
1: Yeah, again, setting the right expectations. And, um, you know, when you bring them in, it would be great to say, Hey, it's a four thirty uh, on Wednesday, can you start tomorrow at eight (laughs) o'clock? Right? That would be great. That would actually be ideal. But uh, again, I've learned setting the tone, setting the right expectations, especially people that I value and believe that they can have an impact on my organization. I find that rather than just throwing them to the fire or having their enthusiasm take over their actions and then show up the next day. Hey, take some time to think about what we talked about. Take some time to think about what the future is going to look like, what that those next 3 3 months are going to like look like. Take some time. Let's have another let's have one or two more conversations so you can start to realize, "Hey, we're we're great friends, it's great to hang out, but maybe working with me is a little bit different." Or working for me doesn't feel the same as if we're just hanging out having, having lunch, right? So setting that tone to let them know um, the expectations, not from just when we talk about to but to feel, understand, and acclimate to the culture, uh, I think is, is important for a small a small business mm-hmm.
0: and so when it comes to finding a good culture fit for hamilton demo what do you look for in a candidate oh so
1: i it, this is funny but when i started working remotely um i i didn't know what to do with myself because yeah i so I was used to, so about 15 years ago, I started working remotely and, you know, I could always manage my time as a salesperson, but always started off going into the office. And then if I had to go somewhere else or fly out, that was, you know, part of it. But uh, I started working remotely and interestingly enough, I'd get everything done within a couple hours, right? And I was, I was like, now what do I do? Like everything I set out to do, I finished. And then uh, I started missing uh, the human interaction on a day-to-day basis, right? So I started structuring my my workday, my remote workday in a way that would be conducive. And it really helped me. So I was able to realize, hey best time to reach clients sometimes are first thing in the morning. So hey let's start let's start reaching out to people for coffee appointments right a lot of people a lot of people like to grab a cup of coffee before they go into the office. So hey we can have meetings at 7 30 8 8 30 whatever spend 15 30 minutes FaceTime which is so valuable. And uh, uh, do that. So that would I would have one or two of those a week, and then uh, I'd have lunch meetings as well. So a lot of people are busy. Uh, Let's let's have a lunch meeting because you've got to eat lunch. And a lot of the clients appreciated having some time away from the office for an hour, and it would happen really, really efficiently. So things of that nature would get me that human interaction. Um, My time management got better as well. So I learned, Hey, if I can get everything done uh, within two hours, what can I, what and how can I use that remaining time to get ahead of what I need to get ahead of? Um, Whether it's additional phone calls, prospecting, um, you know, Trying to create other solutions for clients, uh, uncover additional solutions, uh, things of that nature. So back to your question, I kind of look for those things with uh, with others that can uh, be able to adapt uh, pretty easily, uh, that they won't struggle. Because quite frankly, even in th- especially in the pandemic, we couldn't we couldn't go to the office, so so i spend 50 50 between home and our our space downtown and then the pandemic turned that to 100 percent here and uh a lot you know a couple people that started on started started with me couldn't couldn't make that transition and i and they can't wait around for me to to tell them what to do, they need to figure out what to do on the on their own. Yeah, I can onboard you, but truly, after a while, you need to have that intuition of where to go. Um, feel comfortable reaching out to me. You know, you're not bothering me. This is business, and what you have to say is valuable. So make sure you call me. But not everybody's like that. Uh, I, I will. I I hope I'm not being cheesy. Sometimes I can see it in people's eyes, right? There's an example. I won't mention names, but if she if she hears and watches this um, this interview, this podcast, she'll know it's her. But uh, one example of this young lady, I observed her in a large room one time, looking over the room. She didn't know I was watching, and I didn't mean it. Just she kind of caught my eye. Um, amongst all of our friends. And I had noticed that she was like looking over and assessing the whole room. And you got to imagine there's a lot going on in this big room. And, uh, she was like watching people come in with their, with their glasses, who was, who was hanging up their coats and everything. And she was into it. And I observed her for like five minutes. I was like, that's the person I need to, uh, uh, join my team. She. She would she would adapt easy. So, just an example. Sometimes I can just tell, uh, but other times it's
0: hard. yeah. So uh, before we wrap up, I have one last question for you. You mentioned the importance of being an approachable leader. So, how do you make yourself approachable for your team?
1: I, I think it's the it's the basics, right? Uh, I try my best to listen as much as possible. They all have my contact information where um, I make sure they feel that they can reach me and talk to me day and night. And actually I have a little trick, Lindsay, where I actually reach out to them when they don't expect it.
0: Right? Ooh, surprise attack.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's more like a surprise welcome.
0: Oh, I like that.
1: Yeah. So let, so let me tell you. So for instance, the workday is nine to five. Um, and I, and I'm respectful of people's time and everything else, but if I have something great to share with them or something exciting, I'm not going to wait till the next day to tell them if, if it's a value, right? So if it's eight o'clock, I'm like, Hey, do you have time for me to share some good news or, uh, you know, if uh, if I know it's not quite eight o'clock yet, they're still dropping off their kids. I uh, I say, hey, I'm getting ready to give you a call. That, that something we got we got to jump on something this morning. And uh, uh, can you take a call? Or you know, if I really get to know them well, I'll just call them and leave a message. And they know when I'm calling, it's a value. Uh, at least I hope they think that. That's what they tell me. And they seem excited, (laughs) but yeah. So I I do those sneak welcomes on them, and so what I hope is happening is that when it's eight o'clock on a Wednesday, that they feel comfortable reaching out to me too. Especially, I think what's um, where where this really comes into play is that we all have uh, lives outside of work. We have families and things happen, so they feel comfortable calling me to tell me, hey, uh, my son has something tomorrow. My my husband has something that's going on. Uh, is that okay? This and that. Are we good? Need to risk. I think that that gives me a lot of pride to be able to allow that for um, the people that I work with. And then uh, I, I feel the same back to them, too, if like anything that I need to tell them that they that they are open to it.
0: Yeah. Someone I admire uh, said, it's not a work-life balance. It's a work-life blend, and it flows. And so I, I see that, you know, if someone, if a, if a team member needs to tend to their family, then the work is just going to flow. It's it's going to get done. It's just going to flow in a different direction.
1: It's going to flow in a different direction. And you said something. I like that work-life blend. Let me share a quick little story for you. where all this kind of came to the forefront. So when when I started working remotely, you know, just you'd email, you'd email uh, your boss, let him know, Hey, I finished this. And uh, you, you watch, uh, you watch Monday night football with your laptop on your, on your lap. And, you know, you're working, it, it's not what, it's not a nine to five as much as it was when you go to the office. Right. But I noticed that the, my bosses would respond back right away uh when it was you know different outside of those norms and then someone that i worked with told me that the ceo uh would call him up at one o'clock in the morning and i'm like what and and i'm like well you know he's like we all reported to this to this individual great guy and uh, so we're talking about him and he's he told me this story how, you know, he would be up working and it would be Saturday and, you know, getting things done and he would respond to his emails and the CEO would call him right back. And he said that he'd asked the CEO, what gives you the, 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 the license to call me up at 1am in the morning. And he said, well, I just thought since you responded to the email that you were awake, so I gave you a call. Right, so kind of goes both ways. If if you are receptive to to communication uh, going away from you, be be uh, be uh, unnoticed that it's probably g- going to be of equal coming back to you. Right, so if you respond to emails at one o'clock in the morning. Expect emails at one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> you got to set your
0: own boundaries.
1: <laughs> exactly. If you're calling somebody at seven o'clock in the morning, uh, then expect phone calls at seven o'clock in the morning. And it's why I probably woke up to the phone ringing this morning, uh, just which which is a good problem to have. But yeah, I love that uh, work life blend that you that you.
0: Yeah. Well, Ivan, this has been a great conversation. I've had a blast. Uh, so if people want to get in touch with you, learn more about Hamilton Demo, how can they do that?
1: Yeah, so um, I I love that I share my cell phone with people. And uh, when I first started doing it for about four years ago, people thought I was crazy. But I'm actually seeing more and more people share their their. Uh, cell numbers on uh, podcasts and on uh, on uh, different TV shows. So you can reach me at 513-257-9683. Again, 513-257-9683. That is my personal cell phone. Uh, happy to chat, discuss anything human capital, recruiting, um, anything talent acquisition and actually if you've got something that you that you feel is uh a value to talk about outside of that I'm welcome to that as well. And my website is hamiltondemo.com www.hamiltondemo.com. And it's got all my information.
0: Y'all heard it give Ivan a call. <laughs> Again, I'm the- <laughs> I'm Lindsay Patton, host of the People Analytics Podcast. If you or anyone you know is like Ivan and passionate about the people space, feel free to reach out to me, lindsay at staffgeek.com. Thank you for listening to Staff Geek's People Analytics Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Patton, and I'm always looking to interview leaders who put people first. If you or someone you know lead with a people-first mindset, please email me at lindsay at staffpeak.com. That's L I N D S A Y at staffgeek.com. If you want to take things a step deeper and understand your organization's true culture DNA, I encourage you to take Staff Geek's free culture assessment. Just head to staffgeek.com and click the button that says free culture assessment. Thanks again for listening.